You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Katrin Rasmussen, the CMO at Pixels. Before you start investing in it, make sure that it works for you. And second one, when you have that proof of concept and works for you, try to see if you can get dedicated resources on this. Hello there, and welcome back to another episode of the SAS Nordic Podcast. I uh, hope you are fine, that you are enjoying um, your day. And um, Daniel, what about your day? I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm, uh, I always try to uh, see things you know, from the bright side. My wife told me not too long ago, and we, t- we spoke about it in another episode. I'm a little bit like Ted Lasso. If you haven't seen Ted Lasso, he's just like almost a little bit too much optimistic. Okay. You know, to the point where it bothers people. Yeah. Like sometimes when you say a new day, new opportunities in the morning and I just feel, okay. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a little bit like that. No, but uh, days are good. Days are good. Some, you know, the sun is here. Uh, we're actually going to uh, to Spain. You are? With the family here in, uh, in, in just a little time here. Have you told me before or? Uh, you probably you don't listen. Yeah, you told me it's an uh, all-inclusive thing. Like yeah, yeah, uh, with, with with the kids in the family and stuff. Yeah. So sp- sp- spending spending a week day, a week there, and then enjoying the summer just here in fantastic, beautiful Sweden. Yeah, yeah. What about you guys? Like, I know you were planning to go to Greece. Yeah. But then I heard from my wife that your wife had told her <laughs> Greece is not happening. No, because we were too late and all the good places were already full. So. Yeah, we are looking for something in the neighborhood, talking, you know, uh, <laughs> a few kilometers outside, outside where we live. If you have a house in Hölviken with a pool and a jacuzzi, uh, please please give me a, a shout out. And um, yeah. You know, there's probably more options on the other side, Thomas, Österlen. With a pool and a jacuzzi? Yes. Okay. So if you if you have a house in Österlen, he's also open to that. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, also really enjoying making this episode it gives us some time to um, yeah to to learn something new yeah and to also connect with with uh, great people within the community and we will do that today and uh, we will also talk about the subject that you know connects a lot with what we do ourselves uh, doing events that are relevant for your target audience so um, let's go and talk to Katrin Today we are really happy to have a SAS Nordic OG, no other than Katrine Rasmussen, the CMO at Pixels, here as a guest in the SAS Nordic podcast. So, yeah, you were with us in the Clubhouse uh, event years, uh, an eternity ago, and now you're finally here in the podcast. So welcome, Katrine. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Finally. Finally, yes. Exactly. We we actually planned this pre-covid it feels like right yeah i can't even remember like first time first time i reached out and said like you should join our podcast do you recall when that was I, I well i think it was about a year and a half back i know i was in thailand um just on vacation so i think i was like yeah let's get back to this when i when i get back and i mean obviously i got back 
a long time ago. <laughs> but now, now we're finally here and I'm excited to do this. Highly anticipated. <laughs> 18 months later, Katrine is here. Yes. Katrine. Yes. Tell tell the world who is Katrine when you're when you're not traveling the world. Like who who are you? Sure, um, that's always a good question, right? Um, well, I think I work with mar- within marketing for um, probably close to fifteen years now. Um, majority of that time I've spent within software as a service, within tech, within B two B, and that's. That's what I'm doing now. That's what I'm passionate about. I'm currently uh, working for Pixels. I've been with Pixels for almost three years as a CMO. Before Pixels, I was um, at uh, Billy Reinskapsprogramm that I think uh, most Danes know for five years until we um, exited Billy and um, spent a little bit of time in, in e-com and on the um, agency side as well. But like I said, um, I love the intersection between tech B2B and software as a service. Okay. Right. Seems that you have had a lot of fun in your professional career. Sure. <laughs> uh, so what can you tell us about uh, Pixels? Sure. Um, I think most of the listeners are probably not super familiar with Pixels, but um, I mean, anyone who's ever shopped online has probably come across some of our products. Our products are basically the um, the retouch e-com images that you see on websites like um, Zalando, um, all the bestseller brands, um, Mango, um, very uh, long um, or a big list of um, the largest e-com retailers out there. Um, We've got about um, 2,000 customers today, um, and and what we have is basically we have developed an AI-driven platform um, for e-com image retouching at scale. So currently, we retouch um, just about 50,000 images per day uh, for uh, retailers like the ones I was uh, just mentioning. And just for, for a person like me that doesn't know anything about imagery and videos and stuff like that, when you say retouch, what does it mean? Like, does some, like photographer send something in and then magically you make them look nice right so i think what a lot of people think of when we say retouching right um they might think that what we do is uh, making the models uh, thinner uh, look better stuff like that um that's not i mean thankfully uh, most brands and retailers are not asking us to do that today Um, there's definitely been a shift in the retouching standards so uh, when i talk about retouching it's basically every image that you see on an e-com website it's had some sort of uh, retouching done right it could be just cropping it could be like dust removal it could be um, color matching between images or video Um, so it's it's it it could be straightening out uh, wrinkles right and so it's just basically making sure that the product that's being showcased um is is looking good right Mm -hmm. um so uh, it doesn't have to be a lot of stuff it could be very minimal um but every well i want to say that every image that's out there has been uh, through some sort of retouching yeah 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 and you you mentioned already here like you you work with the zalandos of the world and so on like are all online retailers or e-tailers a good match for you or is that like they need to have a certain volume or be be of a certain size great question um no um 
and this is where positioning comes um, into play, right? Um, I love listening to your recent podcast with April Dunford. I'm a big fan. We actually used her, um, obviously, awesome her book quite a bit when we uh, did a lot of positioning work about um, a little more than two years back. Um, so, no, uh, what we did, we, we looked at our data and we basically tried to figure out who's our best customers. And based on the data and with, with best customers, it's, of course, we look at the volume, the revenue, all of that. Uh, but we also do uh, like a very qualitative deep dive where we try to understand why are we such a good fit with those customers, right? Um, so our best customers, they are um, typically apparel, fashion, accessories, bags. Um, one of the reasons for that is that um, they do have, I mean, all the fashion retailers, right? They work with seasons. Um, so fashion retailers will typically have um, many more images than, say, um, a supermarket. I mean, there's a limit to how many times you need to take a picture of a milk, right? right. Uh, that milk probably doesn't change that much. But these large fashion retailers, they have so many new products, so many new images out there all the time. So they're really good fit. Also means that we trained our AI on fashion um, and clothing and apparel. So it just means that our AI is doing a much, much better job on that types of products uh, than on milk or cars and stuff like that. Gotcha. So our ICP, um, it's uh, fashion, it's apparel, it's uh, shoes and bags, um, stuff like that, that you see on all the fashion websites. And then um, for our platform to really make sense, um, we, we do need a, a really good volume of images, right? So when we talk about ICP, we're talking about um, the retailers, the brands, the studios out there that have more than um, 25,000 images per year. Right. That's that's where it makes sense for us to partner up with someone. So a clear ICP, and that will be very useful later in this episode when we go into the main topic. But just to put something in perspective here around pixels, what can you say about uh, your ARR? How much do you grow uh, and such? Um, well, AIR, we do have a little bit more, our, our revenue model is a little bit more complicated than just ARR because it's a mix of um, subscription and transactional. Okay. But our AIR is currently about um, 16 million USD. Um, we grow around 20%. Um, and we currently have about 2,000 customers. Um, we, are, we are 500 employees globally. Yeah. Uh, we are a very global organizations with, I mean, I'm, I'm based out of Copenhagen, but we have offices in San Diego, uh, Copenhagen, Berlin, um, Mallorca, uh, Barcelona, Vietnam, uh, Holstebro. Um, <laughs> so we are a very global organization. Holstebro is the most important one. I know. This is actually where we were founded. Uh -huh, okay. <laughs> uh, so it is important. Yeah. Um, and in terms of our markets, we are global. Uh, we do have, we have, I think we have customers pretty much all over the world, but we are, I mean, we need to prioritize, right? And so we are prior prioritizing our sales and marketing efforts in, in e Europe and in the US. And that's basically because this is where we've got our sales teams and our CS teams. Uh, but it doesn't mean that we're not going to take on a big customer in Australia. It just means that we're not um, spending a lot of time trying to um, reach out to them. Right. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. And how have you guys been financing this journey so far? Have Have you raised capital or are you bootstrapped? Um, we did raise capital. Um, we I think we're 
12 years now. But today we are owned by a um, Swedish private equity firm called um, Adelis. Yeah. Okay. Very good. And we all we often ask people here, like on the podcast, like how big of a stake they have in in their business. Because you know, you could be a hired gun, you can own hundred percent. That might color your some of your answers. Like, do you have a stake in the business here? Yes. How how big is that stake? Um, I probably we probably shouldn't disclose that. But the okay. management team, uh, the entire management team, uh, definitely have a stake. Yeah. All right. Gotcha. Cool. Um, and today. We're going to talk about the intersection of ABM and event marketing. And I think before we go into that, I think it's worth to explain the terms a little bit. So what is ABM? Right. Um, so account-based marketing. Okay. Um, that's what it stands for, right? Um, just want to say, though, and this is an important point, and I, I try to say that all the time, that it's it's not a good name uh, because it's really not a marketing strategy. It's a um, commercial strategy. It's a go-to-market strategy, and it, it includes, um, obviously, it includes marketing, but marketing couldn't do it without sales. Um, and it, it also includes customer success, sort of like sits in that intersection between um, the all the go-to-market teams that we work with, um, and there's no there's no ABM without a sales teams. But that's what it stands for. Do you have a better name? We like to call it ABX when we talk about it. So it's like account-based everything or account-based experiences. But it's just the the name ABM. It's so well known. So um, when when we say that, most people know what we're talking about. Yeah. But internally, we call it ABX. Yeah. Okay. You heard it here. But 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 a, ge- a general difference here. And correct me if I'm wrong. Is that you know many companies. Uh, they can have not hundreds but also thousands of potential customers that they outreach and it's, you know the communication is volume based it's you know one too many often and so on sure and and account based like from in your world and your perspective like you know do you already know that these are the X amount of accounts that we should target and that's it? Yes. Yeah. And, and how many are those roughly? I think we've got um, in our, so we use HubSpot. We don't have any fancy ABM software because that tends to get very, very expensive. But HubSpot has a built-in um, ABM functionality or target account functionality. And I think last time I checked, we have 470 something, 475 um, accounts in there. Those are, and that's, I mean, that's still quite a, Bit, right that's a lot mm-hmm. um so we we tend to uh work with tiers so we got a one-to-one tier we got a one to few and then we got to one to many tier but it's still these 470 you, yes. you don't send an email to five thousand companies ever we do oh you do all that as well we do yeah. we do um so we we do have a good mix of i mean what you could call more traditional inbound uh people or you or uh searching um, we, we do use Google Ads. We do do a lot of SEO. We do do all of this. And sometimes we'll get, catch some of those, we like to call them whales, um, some of those big fish, right? They will come through through inbound, and that's perfect. And if they do that, maybe we'll enroll them into our ABM program. Uh, but um, when we work with um, the target accounts that's in the one-to-one, um, that's we basically just have a list of, so these are, um, each sales rep got 20 accounts each quarter. These are the, the ones that we go after one-to-one. We know exactly who they are, 
uh, we know who we need to talk to within those accounts. Right. Um, and they may also be in different stages of the buying cycle, right? Maybe they've never heard about us. Maybe it's, it's, it's outreach. Maybe they know about us. Maybe they've attended some events or maybe they're already in the sales cycles and we need to support them. Um, so it really depends on which um, stage the accounts are in how we work with them. Uh, but you're right. Um, we know exactly who they are before we get started. And we know um, that they live up to our ICP criteria before we get started. Right. And I think that's important, right? So it's super important to have your positioning right. It's super, super important to know that your ICP are actually good fit with what you do, because otherwise you risk spending a lot of time and a lot of resources Um on customers that might not be a good fit. Gotcha. And just a question here. You mentioned that you you, um, you track this or work with this in HubSpot, but why would you potentially want a separate ABM solution? Well, is it not just to tag the companies that these are the hundred that we want to work with in this way, or is there other things that could be valuable to do? Right. I think for some of those um, ABM platforms that, are out there. Um, I think they may be uh, very valuable if you're running, um, if you're a bit of a bigger company, if you're running ABM programs to more than a few hundred companies, right? I think you can automate a bit more. Uh, but then I guess we are also at risk of it not really being ABM anymore, but being more of a just um, customized campaigns. Um, but we haven't. We I don't think we have the need for um, some of those yet. I just often hear people saying we can't do ABM because we can't afford the software, and I just think that is uh, that is is definitely not a requ requirement to do ABM to run ABM. Is this is software is not a requirement, not at all. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. So so the topic was the intersection of ABM and event marketing, and could you just make a comment on event marketing and what that contains? Sure. Also, don't think event marketing is the best name, actually. We like to call it experience marketing uh, because when we run events and do events, what we really want to leave uh, the accounts with is an experience uh, that they'll remember. Uh, but event marketing, right, is basically getting your brand in front of your prospects through any type of event, um, could be in-person, could be a webinar, could be something completely different that's... Um, that's an event. Um, what would be an event type that you wouldn't expect being an event in in your experience? Uh, what did you say? <laughs> experience. Experience marketing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Sure. That I wouldn't. I don't know if that's. I don't know if I can answer that, but I mean, I do see a few uh, companies like doing um, dinners, right? Yeah. Uh, networking dinners, stuff like that. But I don't know if that's a good answer. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's an answer. <laughs> Alrighty then. <laughs> no, but that's <laughs> that was a great answer. I think that was a good answer. <laughs> all right, all right. Like before uh, Thomas gets off the rail here completely, but so you do ABM and you also do uh, what you call the experience marketing, or in in our world, let's say event marketing, whether that's a webinar or in-person event and dinners and so on. Are these two different programs, the ABM and the event marketing, that you somehow tie together? Or is this all one thing? Ah, it's not really run as two separate programs. I think it all ties in um, very, very well together. Um, I think I want to say that our... Um, event or experience efforts are a big, big part of our 
um, ABM programs. And I think when we talk about ABM, right, maybe we should also just take a step back because uh, ABM sounds so fancy. And truth is that a lot of the things that we do in ABM is things that we've been doing. And when I say we, I mean just the industry, right? We've been doing for years and years and years. Um, it's, I think, I think uh, for us at least, what we found because we work large deals, we work with very long and very complex sales cycles mm-hmm. that um, the best way that we in marketing can help our sales team is basically to help them build relationships and get in front of the target accounts. Um, and that's just, I guess you could say very traditional B2B sales marketing, right? We need to get the right people in the same room together and we need to facilitate um, that those relationships and that trust is built mm-hmm. um, because that is how we found and how we, that we, we are able to actually move these deals ahead. Um, so, as a marketing person, right, and we run ABM programs and we uh, identify who do we want to show up, um, who do we want to get our sales reps, our revenue teams in front of. Um, that's how um, experience marketing or events, they fit into that mix. Um, so when I talk about events here, I'm mostly talking about our own events, our own events. We run um, four um, events every year we call them flow events um, um, next one is coming up in Berlin in about 10 days mm-hmm. um, so that's a industry event uh, we invite about um, 100 100 to 150 attendees so it's still it's rather small and intimate um, then we have our, our team uh, partners um, sponsors on top of that but uh, usually we'll be around 150, 170 people there. And we, um, it's a full day event. We'll have um, like sessions, knowledge sharing, all of that. We'll have a welcome party the day before. We'll have a VIP and speaker dinner. And then we'll usually end up um, dancing all night with a select group of people, right? <laughs> uh, so it's for us, it's all about um, creating a, a fun experience and making sure that we get our target accounts in the same room um, as our revenue teams in um, a fun, informal setting where we can all get to know each other, where they can get to know the entire Pixels team. Right. Um, and um, we also have all this really great content, right? So it's also a matter of establishing ourselves as thought leaders within the industry. Right. Um, so... It's, it's a mix of that and a mix of like building our brand. Um, and what we've seen is that that works very well. And I think um, another way that, that we do this that's really helpful is that oftentimes, and you know this, I mean, I think you, you guys have a background in sales, right? I mean, if you're, if you're a sales guy reaching out, it can be very hard to to get through right yeah it's true yeah most most um buyers or accounts right they will just if you have someone in sales reaching out uh they'll be on the fence right away um so what we do with the target accounts that are most important to us that we will actually have the marketing team uh, reaching out and saying hey uh would you like to come and be and keynote our events uh we'll fly you in 
um, to this city. We'll set you up in a hotel. Uh, we'll wine you and dine you. And we'll stroke the ego, right? Um, so we'll build a relationship um, from the marketing side um, with, with these um, target accounts. Uh, we'll, and we'll get them in the same room as everyone else from the pixel side. We'll build those relationships. And it's sometimes it's just an easier way in than to have um, the sales sales team reach out. I mean, that, 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 that sounds good. Like, you know, I don't know anything about uh, retouching images, but... Uh... I'll be in to join and speak at at an event like that based on that description. Right. PR and communication are the keys to building awareness for your company. You want to make sure you reach the right people with the right message at the right time. My Newsdesk is a smart PR platform where you can manage all your communication efforts in one place. My Newsdesk makes it easier for companies of all sizes to create awareness and build relations with the people that matter the most to you. Don't make PR harder than it needs to be. Visit mynewsdesk.com to start your free trial. One thing I wanted to ask you a little bit, because this uh, it's still a big undertaking to do these events and the ABM process. It's like you you do a lot for these 420 accounts to get in front of them and so on. And I think probably that's maybe one of the things that people that are not doing ABM yet and these type of event marketing is it costs a lot of money. Right. Like, how do I motivate this? So for, for, from your perspective, like, how do you measure success mm-hmm. and ROI on these things? Great questions. And I think a lot of us in marketing right now are probably being hit with budget cuts. And we really need to be... Um, 100% on points when it comes to how and where do we spend that marketing budget that we've got. Um, And and truth is, I mean, hosting 100 to 170 people, right, for like a full day event, Ah, it's expensive. Uh, it's 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 a lot of money. We do spend a lot of budget, a lot of resources, and on these events. And it's a free event. Uh, it's like it, it's invite only. We approve everyone um, who registers, right? And most most of the attendees there will have been approved by us. We want to make sure that it's the right people who are there. Right. Um, so of course that's a first. Uh, but how do we measure the success? Um, well, personally, no. I mean. I measure this success in a few different ways. First of all, I think one of the things where, that we have achieved and that is really important to us as a company is that I think we've actually managed to build a community, mm-hmm. um, which is a a pretty um, amazing feeling to have, have, have managed to build that community that are so valued by such a big group of people, right? So I think that is a success in itself. And it's a community of industry people who are willing, who are very open, willing to share. So I think um, our attendees get a lot of uh, learnings out of upcoming. And just that feeling of talking to someone who has the same pains and the same issues as you do and, 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 and getting that support. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's, first of all, that's an amazing feeling, but, uh, to have done that, but I mean that's not really enough, right? To spend all of your money on this. So how do we measure it? I mean, we do. I mean, we do track everything, right? Right. So in HubSpot, in spreadsheets, in Dream Data. I mean, um, 
everyone who's ever um, signed up for an event, attended one of our events, uh, we'll follow those accounts uh, uh, and we'll see, okay, okay, now this one moved to pipeline. Now this one moved to close one bookings. Right. And uh, we'll... What we've seen is that all of these events, like the maximum payback time they have is one year. Um, so, and, and most of the time, most of the time they'll have paid themselves back even, even sooner than this. So, I mean, we basically just need to close one um, large target account after each event right. to have a positive ROI on these events. Um Okay. So, and and we will. I mean, we will always uh, close one target account after each one of these events, right? So then there is a question of attribution, um, and that's a bit a bit of a bigger question because a lot of these companies they might already have been um, talking to us and um, before the event. But at least then you can you can accelerate it, so that still counts. Exactly. Yeah. That's another really important point, right? That getting in front of them, building relationships, building trust, it usually accelerates the buying cycle. Yeah. And another thing that I think is very very important when you talk about this is it's it's sometimes and I think it's the same with everyone who works really large enterprise B two B accounts, right? It like just the switching cost, like the pain of switching, not just the actual cost, the budget wise, but the pain of switching from one system to another sometimes so big that you you don't want to do it. Mm. Uh, but the day where you need to do it, and uh, you actually have to do it, we want to make sure that Pixels is always top of mind. And I think that's another thing that we achieve with events like this, even if the target accounts and the people who are there are not ready um, for our solution at this point we will be top of mind the day they are ready. Gotcha. Okay. And in order to accomplish this, what type of organization do you need on, on your side when it comes to roles and resources? Right, right. Oh, that's a very good question. Um, so I think when we, well, the, the very first flow event was actually uh, done before I, I started. And that was just before COVID. Um, and that was sort of like just a uh, spontaneous, oh, let's do an event in New York next month. Um, so a relatively like scrappy way of like just getting the entire organization together and doing this. Um, so, so and this was also the the first proof of concept uh, that came back from that first event and and closed a few uh, really large target accounts. And that was like, okay, this works. This <laughs> definitely works. So when I first started, and this is funny because at my one of the um, interviews I did before I started. Um, our CEO asked me, uh, what is the one thing that you don't like to do? And I told him, I hate events. Don't like to do events. <laughs> um, and then, I don't know, for some reason, we, I mean, he still hired me. Um, and then, well, we had COVID for a while. We couldn't do events. But then when the world finally started opening up, I got a lot of, um, I want to say, um, internal questions about when are we going to do events and finally i kind of had to do it um so that was an interesting um experience and and at that point we basically just did it again the first one we did about a year and a half back that i was a part of again was with the existing team relatively scrappy team just everyone like from sales to CS uh, to marketing, uh, pitching in, trying to do this on top of everything that we were already doing. Uh, I think 
what we learned was that that would usually, at least for me, that was uh, a little bit too much on top of everything else, right? Mm -hmm. um, so today we have, um, I think, I want to say two and a half people within the marketing organization who is full-time on events and experience marketing and ABM. Okay. So it's the same, it's the same team within the marketing team, right? That is actually running um, experience, ABM and events as one uh, big uh, thing, which I think makes a lot of sense for us. Um, and so I managed to hire some really, really amazing people who know exactly what they're doing, who's been running events for a while, and who is that I've learned so much from. So today, uh, we have um, a full team in place who is uh, running these events. Uh, that's not how we started out. So I think we, we probably did the proof of concept with the team that we have in place, found out this works. And um, after we had that proof of concept in place, it's when we decided to actually invest and build out the team. Um, so today we do have um, a team in place who is very professional and I'm so impressed with what they're doing. And each event is just so much fun. And um, yeah, it's been great. It's been a very interesting evolution, I'd say. Interesting. And uh if you look back at the journey that you've gone through, I'm sure you've you've done your sh shared of mistakes or let me rephrase learnings. There's been some learnings on, on the way here. Right. <laughs> and for anybody listening to this and they would embark on the same type of journey, like do you have any advice say, like these are the three things you need to do or not to do? What would that be? Right. Um, I mean, I think number one, I think you need to have that proof of concept, right? Um, does it make sense for you? Is it um, a good way of um, do 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 actually get an ROI out of this? And for us, it, I mean, it was actually might COVID might have been um, a blessing because we have very long sales cycles. So the fact that it actually took us um, or from the very first event we did until we did the second one, we had like a year and a half, right? We have sales cycles that are often one year long. So it, it meant that we were actually able to see, okay, these accounts closed after that event. It worked. It was successful. Now COVID is over. Let's replicate that. Right. Um, so we did have that proof of concept. And it is ex it's expensive and very resource heavy. Um, so, so try to see if you can... Before you start investing in it, make sure that it works for you. And second one, uh, when you have that proof of concept and works for you, um, try to see if you can get dedicated resources on this because, and you guys know this, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you've been pulling off quite a, a few events, right? right? Big ones, even yeah. bigger than this. Sure. Not so much dedicated resources, more... <laughs> More, more kind of uh, I don't know an extreme uh, scrappiness, yeah. uh, <laughs> Un unhealthy yeah. workload. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what happens if you don't have dedicated resources. And we do these events uh, four times a year, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so we cannot have someone working over 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 time because it's basically instantly, right? It's, right. it's always like when um, this one is over, we are fall into the next one and into the next one and into the next one. It just continues and continues and continues. So you need a dedicated team who is able to do this. Our team is very de dedicated. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Katrina, let me, let me ask you this, Katrina, because if there's somebody listening, I think the fear for many people yeah. is that 
I'd like to do an event, whether that's a user conference or like you guys do it, you know, for the community and so on. Like the first one is always the hardest one because you need to commit to resources, funds, and so on. Like, how did you secure a critical mass in terms of audience? Yeah. Like, is there a trick there? Because a lot of people feel like we could do this great event, but what if nobody shows up? Right. And and I think that's also like in the very beginning, like my biggest anxiety, right? Is like how many is actually going to come? Um, and and that is uh, like the actual marketing, getting people to come. Um, it, it's definitely been one of the biggest challenges. I think what we've managed to do at this point now, we've built out the brand and, and people have heard about it and people want to come. It's gotten a lot easier. It was definitely much harder in the beginning. Uh, but I think what we've done, right? Uh, well, first of all, it's a like the attendees. It's it's a mix of our existing customer base and uh, potential new clients, uh, which I also think makes a lot of sense because who sells your product better than your existing customers, right? Um, so we've first of all, what's important is that we've looked at so where um, in the world does it make sense? Where are our target accounts located? Mm. Uh, we actually had one event here in Copenhagen and found out. Um, Copenhagen is not large enough. It's not, we don't have a large enough uh, market here. Same when for Barcelona. Uh, it's just not big enough when it comes to our industry. So we do our events where we know we have a big enough audience just like in the vicinity uh, to fill the entire conference, right? Mm-hmm. So now that means LA, New York, Berlin, and London for us. That's where we'll do it. And when we do, we do um, smaller mini meetups in other cities as well. So I think location is important. And then the second one, when it comes to securing, securing the audience, uh, we uh, spend a lot of time with personal, actual personal outreach, making sure that um, it's the right people who gets there. Right. Okay. And how does this translate to the digital world? How, how do you work with ABM there? What's your strategy? And uh, do you have any tips for, for the ones that are want to target the, you know, your target account in, a, in an effective way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so another way we've been working um, is on, we, we, we have spent a lot of effort on um, social selling on LinkedIn. Okay. And, and when I say social selling, it's basically like selling the event, right? And um, so we, we, have, we have activated our entire team within the company. We activate our sponsors. We activate the speakers. We even activate a lot of the attendees. Um, so we've seen uh, probably for 30 to 40% of signups also coming from, from organic Uh, LinkedIn Um, so so that's another way uh, another thing another channel that has really really worked very well for us Mm, okay do you do other besides marketing the events do you do other kinds of targeted messaging towards um, these target accounts or sure or do you mainly just uh, push everything through the event is that sort of the main door or or do you have other sort of ways also to to maybe yeah sure our events i think is the easiest way to actually get facetime actual facetime uh, with, with these accounts right yeah but before we even get to that we do a lot of content marketing as well um so and, and with a lot of these um, target accounts where we do one-to-one campaigns we may know that for this account um csr is very important and we may um uh, make sure 
that they will receive our CSR reports. Mm. We know for some of the accounts, um, we do have a lot of um, retailers, e-com stores that are um, selling shoes. So we create case studies with existing customers who are um, selling shoes online. Um, Same for what you call it, like the circular economy, right? Um, we do, it's also a lot of retailers have started, uh, re, I think H&M, Zalando, I mean, I think they all have these websites, right, where they're like pre-selling um, clothes. Um, and we do that as well. Mm. So we will create content that is very, very targeted to one specific account based on what they do. And, and do you do targeted LinkedIn ads? Yes, we do that as well. Okay. Yes. Cool. And, and uh, do you also work with retargeting, especially for for this as well? Sure. Yep. That's in the toolbox. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. So, what are the? If I would ask you, then, what are the key two metrics that you measure to to say like pipeline, pipeline, and close one bookings. Pipeline and, and close bookings. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's easy enough. It's very easy. <laughs> and, and, and and clear enough. I like that. Cool. I mean, that's all that matters in the end, right? It's the close one bookings. Yeah. That's all that matters. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. So if we look uh, a few years forward here, what, what's happening on your side at Pixels and, uh, and, and for you? Right. Um, I think what we've been talking about is like taking our events to the next level, not just doing a one day, but doing like a two day thing. We want to do more um, workshop style. Uh, We want to create even bigger, better experience. It's something that people are willing to travel for and stay for and and building. So, so there is the events, but also just the uh, community, um, community led growth. Right. Um, I think that's a, a next step for us to to really dig deeper into that and see if we can um, create and foster that um, community even more. Yeah, I know a couple of guys that know a few things about this. The, the, <laughs> the, their daily rate is, uh, or their hourly rate is $2,000 an hour. Yeah, I'll take it, I'll take it. <laughs> it's actually true. But uh, also, we have a great community listening here. And uh, is there anything that anyone could help you with right now? That's an interesting question. I'm sure. Are you looking for anything particular? Like, is there talent? Is there like for you to continue this success journey? Like, what else do you need? You get one wish. One wish. I need more budget. All right. You hear that? Uh, it's <laughs> you, the name of your CEO is Thomas, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You hear that, Thomas? Yes. Show Katrina the money. I think he hears that every day. <laughs> so, uh, is there anyone that you would like to see on the show that would make you excited and listen to that specific episode? One growth lever that I think is usually, I, I think you've actually talked about this before, I know you have, but I think pricing strategy for um, SaaS and B2B mm-hmm. uh, is, is the, probably the most forgotten growth lever. It can be very, very effective. I've worked a lot with that in my past as well, pricing. And I just um, love a lot of the stuff that Patrick Campbell from Price Intelligently, um, that they've been pushing out. Mm-hmm. Uh, think of that they, they have a lot of really good content and I think he's a really good um, storyteller as well uh, so I've been following him for quite a few years so just see if you can get him on um, I think from a more I mean Ethel Dunford just did that I'm so impressed with that yeah. don't know how you did that I mean she's amazing we've used her so much when we did the uh, positioning workshop uh, two years ago I'm so excited for her new book to come out mm. um, other than that um, in the Nordics I know you already had uh, was it uh, Lars from Green Data on yep um, 
But how about uh, Stefan? I mean, I think we need to talk more about attribution and why that's important. And then, of course, Laura, um, Laura Adam. I mean, she. I think she uh, was on at uh, Celsius last year. Yeah. Um, and I just love. I always love hearing her talk about social selling. Yeah. So big push for the Dream Data team. Yes. But they they, they are amazing. So uh, they are. We will for sure talk more to them in the future. Yeah, and attribution is a water splitting topic. It's, Ooh, a, yeah. it's a good one, right? Yes, yeah, yes. good one. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> All right, awesome stuff, Katrine. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, always uh, interested to to meet a fellow uh, event person, although you label yourself as not an event person. <laughs> ne- neither did we. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And here we sit. I know. Awesome. Take care now. Have a fantastic summer. We'll speak soon. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Bye. So, Daniel, what's your takeaway from this episode? That events are super powerful. (laughs) (laughs) No, and uh, there's one thing that I I liked uh, that she said, because obviously when we might be a little bit biased, but also when we had real jobs, operators, you know, we saw that these user conferences are are really powerful in the meetups and so on. But I I like one thing she said that uh, it is actually marketing that drives the messaging and the personal invites and so on. It's not sales that says, hey there, art director at Zalando, you should come here. It's actually somebody with a marketing title that that does that to make it a little bit more approachable and so on. So they, they own the event, they own the attendees and so on. We've seen in a lot of other companies, it's like we do an event, their salespeople invite all everybody you know, your people and so on. And then it becomes much more of a sales event. Yeah. But when marketing does it, you can sell the story as, you know, it's an educational event. Yeah. We're here to be inspired and so on. So I like that approach that they had there. And if you notice that she said that uh, they could come and meet the whole Pixels team, it was not come and meet our sales guys uh, or girls. And... um, and I think if you if you connect on a broader level, I, I think you build that community in a much stronger way. Exactly, exactly. So that, that stood out to me a little bit here. Like, what about you? Well, one thing she said that, you know, I'm a big fan of just do it, right? First time they did it. Yeah. Someone just said, let's do a, an event in New York. Uh, I don't know, did she say in a week or in a month or? A short time frame. Short time frame. So, uh, I mean, if you want to get started on this, just get started, right? Right. Doesn't have to have everything together and planned and the right organization from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But then you learn from that and then you can make sure that you have the right resources in place in order to scale this up as you go. Right, right, right. I mean, and that's really like, you know, some of the words we live by. Just do it, you know, just get it done. And we just recently had, I don't know if anybody cares, but we just recently had our strategy days here in, in our own little shop here. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff that we're running, a lot of stuff that you know we're starting to run here, and like there's going to be an eventful fall here, Thomas. It will be. Yes. What can you tell us about it? Well, firstly, uh, we have our Sassiest Digital Event. The third time we do a huge digital learning experience event. And why should people join that? Why should they care? I mean, it's a great way of accessing free high quality content within the field you're in so uh, we will have a a wide range of speakers both from the nordics but also experts that we find all over the world so uh, no matter what area you're in if that may be that you are running your 
company as a CEO or a founder, or if you're within marketing product, customer success, uh, in the revenue team, you will find sessions that that are valuable for you. Right. So I think it's well worth your time. And maybe you don't have the option to to travel to get to an event. Now you can have this on a second screen and you sort of can blend that in to your day. But also all the recordings will be available afterwards. So just register to an event, uh, join as much as you can. There's going to be some speed dating as well if you are, you know, just want to um, see some new faces in the breaks. And um, yeah. you will have your friend during the whole day. Uh, and, and you know, and, and meet SaaS folks and um, yeah, sassiestdigital2023.com. That's that's where they go and fetch their tickets. Yeah, September. Yeah, September 27th. Awesome. And then uh, we will do a new event uh, that we have worked on that concept a bit, and uh, you will hear more about it. So if you are a founder, if you're looking to uh, get some more capital to grow your company and and head on your journey we are doing an investor day for the first time yep and uh, that's going to be really interesting and then for the second year in a row we have a job stay beginning of december where if you're looking for people if you're growing your company you will have a chance to present uh, your company and your open positions and um that's the third event we do in the fall. So it will be an event-heavy fall. Yeah, and, and then there's a few meet, meetups. Meetups as well. <laughs> that also takes place. Yeah, yeah. So y- you'll be able to bump into each other, and we look forward to, to meeting you all online and, and offline here after the summer. Yeah, and if you want us to bring the community to your office somewhere across the Nordics or the Baltics, let us know, and let's see if we can make that happen. Sounds good. Hopefully you guys are enjoying the summer. Hopefully uh, this podcast uh, is uh, bringing also a little bit of joy and knowledge to you uh, while you're recharging the batteries. If that's the case, we would not mind if you give us a five-star rating in whatever podcast player you're playing. So that would be awesome. And if you have any ideas for guests or topics we should address, keep them coming. You know, it's, the reason why we do this is because you guys are sending all these great tips. So keep them coming. Yeah. You can always reach us at LinkedIn or at contact at sasnordic.com. Looking forward to hear from you and um, yeah, see you soon again. Take care.